It's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week, I'm part of a great program called The Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Welcome into this special Tuesday and a Wednesday edition of New York, New York via Twitter Spaces as game two of the Eastern Conference semifinals. An absolute sweat, but the result you crave, the result you desire in the books for the New York Knickerbockers. The final score, 111 to 105 over the Miami Heat. And listen. There's no getting around this. There's no beating around the bush. This was anything but easy against a very tough-minded, a very gritty, and a very well-coached Miami Heat basketball team. I I think when you got news earlier today that Jimmy Butler was not going to suit up for Miami and that point spread moved all the way basically to double digits, you did not anticipate that you'd be sitting there midway through the fourth quarter, the Knicks are down six, the Knicks are in dire need of a spark, and how are they going to get that spark? I was on pins and freaking needles for the final six and change of this basketball game. But then Jalen Brunson happened. And Jalen Brunson ragged on his own performance, said it was not acceptable. I, I don't even know what adjective he used. After game one, you guys can maybe help me out on that. He just said it wasn't up to par. It wasn't up to his standard. Well, here's what I do know. Jalen Brunson was in the middle of everything for the New York Knicks over the final seven minutes of this game. 
I'm talking about monster, back-breaking three-point shots. I'm talking about setting up his teammates, doing all of the intangibles and ingredients that he brings to a basketball team. Jalen Brunson was the best player on the floor tonight. He gives you 30. He's 10 and 19 from the field. He goes 6 to 10 from three. And Jalen Brunson brought you home. Now, a couple of huge plays in this game that should not under any way, shape, or form be overlooked. The Isaiah Hortenstein contribution. You're going to look at the stat line. You're going to say uh, three points, nine boards. No, 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 no. How many second and third opportunities did Hortenstein give you, including a gigantic sequence in this game? Gigantic sequence in this game. One that, let's be real, the Knicks got the better of. When they allowed the Brunson three to count and Hortenstein fouled on the floor, should have been a foul on the floor, the shot does not count. Instead, the officials decide to go and let that play stand. Hortenstein hits the free throw. His minutes tonight off the bench were gigantic because you did not get great minutes out of Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson has kind of seemed a little out of sorts in this series. Maybe it's the fact that Miami, a more athletic team, a smaller team, they're going small a lot in this series. It has seemed to me that Mitch has not been as comfortable as he was in the prior series against Cleveland. So you got monster minutes out of Hartenstein. Then you got to get to Josh Hart because Josh Hart did not give you great minutes for the first three quarters of this game. At times, he looked like he was afraid to shoot, which is weird. He had a couple of costly turnovers. He was out of position a bunch on defense, and I know that he can do that to you with the way they swing the ball, with the way they space the floor. They're just a, they're a well-oiled machine. It doesn't matter who's on the court for them. That's how well-coached they are. But it seemed like it got to heart to the point where in the fourth quarter, R.J. Barrett has a scorching start. Had like 18 or 19 points. And we gave out that Nick uh, video today on FanDuel. Knicks to go and win. RJ to score 20. Basically had 20 in the first quarter. And then really cooled off from the second quarter on. And did not play a ton of minutes down the stretch of this game. But I kept waiting for RJ to come back in. And I'm like, okay, what's Tibbs going to do? Is he going to take Grimes out? Is he going to take Hart out? He sticks with that lineup. And Tibbs is vindicated. There's no question about it. Because Josh Hart. Stepped up in a big way. The biggest shot of the game, without a doubt to me, well, there were two. The four-point play, which should have never happened, that's got to be number one. The other shot, I should say the two biggest shots of the game, if we're being fair about this. But the heart corner three to stretch it from a one-point lead to a four-point lead, that's money stuff right there. And Hart, you look at the stat sheet, basically almost gave you a triple-double with 14, 11, and 9. And again, is getting you rebound after rebound after rebound. He just brings all of these winning ingredients and winning intangibles to the floor, which is really, really cool to see. One more thing before we get to the negatives of this game. I want to give Randall props. Played 38 minutes tonight. He got off to a really hot start. Was he great down the stretch? Not necessarily. I mean, what he's doing on the inbounds at the end of the game drove me insane. But you saw the difference in the Knickerbockers, especially in the half court, when Julius Randle was there and when Julius Randle was not. They need him to play in this series. 
he's a threat. The Heat have to monitor him. He's played well against Miami this year. It means Adebayo's got to come out and guard him on the perimeter. It also means, if you notice, you're going to get better looks for the likes of Brunson and Barrett and whoever Hart. You give me the guy who's on the outside. Next thing, Randall, what? So can we stop now with this narrative, at least for this series? And I've heard it from a couple of different people. And listen, I've had my frustrations with Randall at times, but the idea that they are better off without him in this series is nonsensical. It's absolute nonsense. They need Julius Randle to play. And considering he's coming off the injury, first time we see him in a week, I'll gladly take 25 and 11, even if he tailed off from an efficiency standpoint. Big minutes out of Julius Randle. Now, I got to get to the negative here. And there is a negative for the New York Knickerbockers. Yes, they got a much-needed win. Yes, they survived the final seven minutes of this game. Miami, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is going to be a monumental pain in the ass. It's okay to admit it. But think about this for a minute. Miami today had no Jimmy Butler. They had nine and a half point dogs. They're up 1-0 in the series. And yet, final two minutes, you're squeezing every last ounce out of your team to go and beat them. I'm concerned about the looks Miami is getting from three. I'm concerned with the way Miami is moving the basketball. How many times in this game did it feel like either Caleb Martin or Vincent was hitting a wide open three? There were some tough shots. But there were also a lot of wide open shots. And I think the Knicks are having trouble because Spolstra is drawing it up. Space the floor. Space the damn floor. And move the basketball. They've done a better job of moving the basketball so far in the first two games of this series. And they're going to get Jimmy Butler back on Saturday. The other thing that you have to be aware of, and you saw a lot of it today, and the Knicks finally started to solve it late in this game. They threw a lot of zone at the Knicks. They did in game one, and they did in game two. It was nice to finally see the Knicks execute with some offense with open looks and open shots in penetrating the 2-3 that Miami was throwing at them. Miami's going to be a really tough out. But the Knicks avoid disaster here in game two. Down six, seven and change left. Knicks lose game two. They lose the first two games at home. They lose the first two at home, and Jimmy Butler doesn't play in game two. You could stick a fork in them for this particular series. I don't care how good they might have been on the road all year. They were not winning this series losing the first two games at home. So now it allows you a four-day reset, recharge the batteries, get Brunson right. Pretty darn right to me in that second half, especially in that fourth quarter. A couple extra days for Randall and figure out some wrinkles, especially defensively, to neutralize what Miami is doing from three. You know their game plan. They're going to shoot a gazillion threes. They shot 49 three-point shots today. And it hit 17. But a lot of them, a lot of good looks. A lot of good looks. So the Knicks win game two, a must-have for the Knicks in game two by the score of 111-105. to All right, let's get to you guys. We're rocking and rolling Tuesday and Wednesday. Let's let it off. Uh, let's go to our pal Bradley, who is in the leadoff spot. He joins us. Bradley, the floor is yours. Welcome in. What's up, Poppy? Hey, Jay, what's going on, man? First off, 
let's just say this. The Villanova Wildcats strike again, man. I mean, watching Brunson and Hart play together, man, it just brings a certain spice to this team. It's it's really fun to watch. They're smart basketball players. And, and you know what they are, Bradley? They're tough basketball players. Jalen Brunson responds after a rough second half. He's tremendous for this entire game. But then I loved what I saw from Hart tonight. Because, again, I can't stress this enough. I actually thought it was worth having the conversation. Should Josh Hart be closing this game out with the way he played in game one and with the way he looked for the first two and a half to three quarters in game number two? But it just goes to show he's a mentally tough guy. He's going to keep playing his game. He's going to keep doing the little things. And all of a sudden, he sees the ball go through the ocean and he starts getting that confidence once again. He's a winner. Bradley, we've said it all postseason. We've said it since he's put on a Knickerbocker uniform. The dude is a flat-out winning player. He really is. The, the guy's a winning player. And I've said to you, I think, once or twice in the last week and a half, JJ, uh, this is going to maybe go down as one of the best trades that the Knicks ever in their franchise. Yang, this guy. I mean, he has just been a, such a pleasant, you know, spark surprise to this team since they got him. And it's just, it's just been so fun to watch since he came to the Knicks. So much fun. And real quick, too, I just want to give props for props to do. Harnstein, uh, Mitchell Robinson did not have the best night. I think we all know that. Uh, Harnstein stepped up in such a big way. And down the stretch, that like, you know, towards the closing minutes of that game, he really stepped up. I, he is really a good under, uh, you know, underrated player on this team. Right well, Bradley, he gave him great minutes in the fourth quarter. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic minutes in the fourth quarter. He had nine rebounds. He had four offensive rebounds. Extended a couple of possessions for the New York Knickerbockers, and I was so glad that the fans gave him the sort of ovation that he deserved when he came out of the game in the fourth quarter. He is, without a doubt, one of the unlikely heroes of game number two. Brunson was the straw that stirred the drink. Barrett and Randall got you going early. Hart closed the game late. But Hartenstein's contribution in this game was absolutely gigantic. No getting around that. Let's head to Joe, who's up next. He joins us here uh, after a Nick game two win. What's happening, Joe? JJ, how are we doing tonight? Uh, Joe, we're doing well. We're doing much better than we did 24 hours ago. That's for sure. That's for sure. There's nothing like Nick fans. Only Nick fans would know what Harnstein brings to the table. He comes out, he gets an ovation. He's really such a pleasure to watch. He's scrappy, works hard. The team is just fun to watch. I mean, I, I'm I'm a couple years older than you. Hart, I haven't loved a player in the NBA like Hart since the 90s. They're a fun team to watch. I mean, they have some things to clean up. Thankfully, they, they took the game, let them reset a few days. They have to figure out their defense. They seem to be all over the place. And let's see what happens. They they play good on the road, so maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. And I, I also want to give props to John Starks. I'm watching him at, during the game. He's a bigger fan than we are. It's, it's Well, he's into it, Joe. Listen, how cool was that from a Nick perspective tonight to have John Starks and Carmelo Anthony in the corner of the basket going ballistic, cheering on the New York Knickerbockers. Like, that is a really cool thing to see linking those generations of players, cheering on a team that, to your point, is incredibly likable, so easy to root for. And you bring up a good point, Joe. They've been a fantastic road team all year. They really have. They've been one of the best road teams in the NBA. They need to find a way to get one of these two games in Miami. I think they have a good chance of doing so. You know they're going to have a lot of Nick fans in the building, but 
there are things that I've seen in the first two games of this series that absolutely need to be cleaned up. And you need to be more aware of some of the wide open looks that the Miami Heat are getting because of their exquisite ball movement. And listen, easier said than done to stop it, Joe. It's easier said than done, but it's something that you've noticed if you've watched Miami in the first two games of this series. You know, they're shooting a ton of threes. The looks. That's what they do. That's the mastery of Eric Spolstra as an NBA head coach. He's a fantastic coach. Tibbs, a great defensive coach. He's got a counter. And what is that adjustment going to be? Because Knicks are having a hard time playing defense. They just are. They're having a hard time guarding this Miami team from what I've seen in the first two games of the series. Hard time. And one thing I got to say here, and this bothered me a little bit, and I think some of you Knicks fans got to be fair about this. And I saw this on my Twitter, and I'm like, you guys got to take the orange and blue goggles off for a second. Listen, I'm getting the Knicks won the game too. But don't sit there and tell me the Knicks didn't get the better of the whistle. The Knicks got two monstrous calls in this game. Monstrous calls. Counting that three on what should have been a loose ball foul under the basket on Hardenstein, that was a gigantic swing in the game. Then you had a possession in which the ball clearly hit the rim and they're ruining a shot clock violation. Like, be fair. For those of you who are chirping on me saying, oh, JJ, I don't want to hear it, blah, blah, blah. It was a storyline in the game. No, I didn't think the Knicks got the better of the whistle in game one for what it's worth. And the Knicks made more plays than Miami did. But those were a couple of huge plays in this game. Please, do do not overlook that. Let's head to our buddy, Justin Floral Park. He's up next. What's up, Justin? How we doing? Hey, Jay, what's going on, brother? Justin, doing well. All's good. What's up, dude? I agree with you 100%. That was uh, huge, man, with that shot clock violation because they would have got a layup right there. That would have been a two-point game. A monstrous swing. Listen, it's okay to acknowledge sometimes when you get the better of the whistle. The Knicks got the better of the whistle tonight. And you know what, Justin? You know the history of the NBA. That happens a lot when a team is down 0-1 at home. That's just, especially, might I add, when Scott freaking Foster ends up being the official. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, he was letting them play a little bit, but then he was was making some weird calls. But, J.J., I'm with you, man. If they don't defend the three, they are in big-time trouble if Jimmy Butler comes back to being even half the player he is. Because that's just another option for Miami. And these guys just don't care, man. They just shoot it. So, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. All these guys, Martin, Strauss, all these guys are just shooting it. And I, I can't believe Lowry, man. This guy looked so washed up during the regular season. And this guy's rejuvenated now come playoff time. It's unbelievable. Well, you know what they've done with Lowry? They're playing him in the perfect role right now, Justin. He's clearly not the player he once was in Toronto. But they bring him in for 25 to 30 minutes. They let him run the offense. He sets up his teammates, and he's a pain in the neck on defense. He is a pain in the neck to deal with. Thankfully, the Knicks made some adjustments. Once they saw Miami continuing to attack in that zone, they started spacing the floor better. They got better looks. They knocked down some outside shots. But yeah, man, listen, Miami, and I say this in the most complimentary way imaginable, they are a bunch of freaking cockroaches. They really are. They don't die. They are, they are the cat with nine lives. It doesn't matter in many ways who's on the floor for them. You know you're going to get it. Listen, obviously, they're a better team with Jimmy Butler. They're a better team if they have Tyler Hero. But the point I'm trying to make is 
They have guys on their team that are smart basketball players that play the game the right way. They are incredibly well coached and guys are put in a position to succeed. Whether that's Caleb Martin, whether that's Struess, Gabe Vincent, who has killed the Knicks in the first two games of this series. You're going to say, and Justin, you're going to see more of that. They are not. You're going to have to out-execute the Miami Heat. They're not going to beat themselves. We saw that during the regular season, Vincent killed us. You know, down in Miami. He had a big game down there. So, yeah, I mean, I can see him having another big, maybe a 30-point game. So, we just got to try to counteract it. I don't, you know, we got to get one of these two, JJ, at least. So, uh, it's going to be interesting. I think the game to get is Saturday because I still think, you know, as much as Jimmy Butler, I, I still think he's a little banged up, man. I really do. You know, Justin. I really think it's more serious than people think. Well, it. listen, uh, of course, that did not look like an injury that was kind in any way. Uh, appreciate it as always. We'll see how the four or five days of rest is going to help, though. These guys play hurt. And Butler, you know, he's a tough SOB. He's going to be out there. He's a guy you'd kill to have on your team. I, I wish the Knicks had Jimmy Butler on their team. Oh, my God. I love that guy. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. But he's not one of your favorite players when he's going against you. He'll be ready to go. Let's head to Big Mo. He joins us next. Mo, the floor is yours. Welcome in. Hello, sir. Uh, I mean, I feel... You know, as a Knicks fan, you don't feel, like, satisfied at all with this victory, especially knowing the circumstances. You kind of feel more, like, relieved. Oh, it's relief. A hundred percent, Mo. A hundred percent. I feel the exact same way. You went into this game saying you're nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Jimmy Butler's not playing. Can you get a whole-hum, feed-up kind of game at Madison Square Garden? You got none of that, and that speaks to what Miami brings to the table. A well-coached team a team that moves the basketball, a team that is super tough, and a team that's going to get good looks and knock down open shots. They did plenty of that, Mo. And the Knicks really needed to put together a monstrous couple of minutes there in that fourth quarter, led by Jalen Brunson, assisted by the likes of Hortenstein and Josh Hart. They needed every last ounce of it in order to win this game. Yeah, and JJ, honestly, what's been the most disappointing part of the series, obviously, other than some of the defensive execution, has been the bench. Uh, They're just getting smoked by Miami, who I feel like don't particularly have a deep team, um, like compared to the Knicks at least. And I I feel like our bench is just getting outworked, outhustled. And I mean, I don't want to say I love, I love Obi, but tonight, I mean, Obi was awful. Obi was awful. But you know what? Let's get. Mo, let's, let's give Thibodeau credit. They had an awful second quarter. Dreadful. They hit every shot in the first quarter. They could not buy a bucket in the second quarter. They barely played Obi in the second half of this game. They realized he's given them nothing. He, he's just not, he's not there. There are games Obi is there. There are other games he's not there. He was not there. Credit the head coach for saying, you know what? His ass has got to be on the bench. And it was. You know, Mo, they got to get quickly going. Quickly continues to be an enigma here in this postseason. He hit a couple of floaters inside the three-point arc, but quickly just cannot buy a three. It's crazy. JJ, I feel like he's not really, you know, he's been more aggressive, like, in the regular season. Now I feel like he's a little passive. And just to not keep on going on Obi, I mean, not only offensively was he horrendous, he defensively, it was tough to watch him just, be continuously like on the bam switch off. I think that was on oh, was that on OB. I'm not sure, but he was terrible defensively more than anything. I think he it's a good thing he was off the floor, but quickly's got to get it going for our bench to 
at least close the gap in terms of bench points because they're killing us. Well, and listen, Toppin was out of position plenty of times, Mo, uh, on defense. You're not wrong about that. And then look at the minutes for Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly played nine minutes tonight. He played Quinn Grimes a lot more. Likes the matchup. Tim's going to do that. Listen, if Quickly is not hitting the outside shot, doesn't really serve much of a purpose with the way he's playing right now. Not giving you much. It's got to be better. It's got to be way better. Let's head to uh, our buddy E. He's up next. He joins us. E, hello. What's up, dude? Real quick comment. How cool was the Jerry Ferrara, Aaron Rodgers, and Sauce Gardner trio on the courtside uh, seating? I hope when you have Jerry Ferrara back on, you ask him about that. Because for me, I thought that was a pretty funny uh, trio to be watching. Uh, it was pretty badass. And, and it's funny you say that. He literally just texted me back. Um, and I said, next to Rogers, I gave him the eyes emojis and he texted me back. It was a wild night, JJ. So, you know, this is the guy who's, you know, he's a Hollywood movie star. You know, the guy was in entourage. He's standing next to Emily Ratajkowski. You know, he's, he's dating Meadow Soprano, not only on the show, he's dating Meadow Soprano in real life, for goodness sakes. So, you know, Jer Jerry knows the Hollywood life. You know what I mean? So he's not like me or you, where if I'm sitting next to Rogers, I'd be like, Hey, Aaron. Uh, get ready for Xavier Howard and Bradley Chubb next year. Uh, I'd be I'd be nudging them, and Ro you know Rogers probably tell me off. You know that's that's Rogers in a nutshell. So I would expect that, but that's what you're going to get from Jerry. And by the way, how about Jerry sitting next to the guy from the New Girl? It it's the guy from the New Girl. It's Jerry. It's Rogers. It's Sauce. Not too bad. That's a great. That's a great role, people. Well, listen, that's what you get at Nick playoff games at Madison Square Garden. Only the best, you know. Only the best. Absolutely. Have a good one, man. You got it. Listen, E, that was, that was pretty cool. We'll have to get the insider scouting report from Jerry. Sitting next to Aaron Rodgers, Sauce Gardner, and Nick playoff game. Must be nice. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's head to our main man, Kenny, Staten Island, New York. Kenny boy, what's up? What's going on, JJ? All good. Kenny, what up, baby? Game tonight was gut-wrenching. I'm sitting there, I'm watching it with my son, with a friend of mine, and I'm like, 
this is going to go right down to the wire. You know, this 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 team here, the Heat, man, they're, like I said, they're, they're just like a bee that just keeps stinging. And I knew with Butler out, it was still going to be a dogfight because they just come at you from all angles. And, you know, the Knicks, you know, fourth quarter ended it towards the end. They finally covered the three because we were getting destroyed and they were getting wide open looks. And with the Knicks, I would like to see them offensively go down low post a little more. You know, try to wear out some of these guys because right now the Heat, the, the defense for the Heat is, you know, they're playing well. And, and to be in this game tonight. Well, and again, after Brunson, listen, they're trying to make life on Brunson as difficult as humanly possible. They had success in the second half of game one. They did not have success in the second half of game two because you really got Brunson to respond with a major, major flurry. Look, that speaks to the importance of Randall, though. The Knicks, Kenny, you're not going to get in this day and age in the NBA the back-to-the-basket, you know, post moves that you would get from an Olajuwon or a Ewing or a Duncan. Like, you're you're not going to get that. But Randall can give you some of those point touches, paint touches that are lacking. And that's why you want to really see Julius have the aggression inside and not settle for a zillion jumpers from beyond the three-point arc. I don't need to see Julius shooting a zillion threes. I don't. Yeah, I like to see a little more inside the three-point stripe, a couple of mid-range shots, you know? Well, you're not. here's the problem, though, Kenny. You're not going to see a lot of that now in the modern-day NBA. They now have made it a point of emphasis. Not just the Knicks, but if you look around the NBA now, there is nothing a coach hates more than a long two. They hate the long two. And that's the analytics that come into play because, listen, it's a low percentage shot. It's a low percentage shot. So the, the, the analytics, and this is where I agree with them, Kenny, from this standpoint, long two is a bad shot. At that point, you might as well go beyond a three-point arc and take it a little bit longer. But forget about the long twos. I want Randall attacking the basket. That's where he can have success. Yes. And then, like I said, get, get some of these players in foul trouble. And, and we're quickly, you know, with him, Listen, the guy's a streak player. You know, he's he's going to have his moment in this series where he's going to go off. He's too talented not to. So I, I expect that. And I think the Knicks play better on the road. You know, for some reason, it seemed they're a little more relaxed. The, the crowd from, you know, obviously I wasn't in the building tonight, but I'm going to try to make it to game five. But the crowd tonight, man, was just electric. You know, the garden, you know, when the Knicks are on and, and they're hitting these big shots, there's nothing louder in sports. Nothing. Well, Kenny, they've had a lot to cheer about. You look at this Cleveland series, you look at this regular season. Now you think about the way the Knicks find a way to respond in game two. Yeah, this is Madison Square going at its peak. And at least we have one team that's going to be playing at least for another week at the world's most famous arena. You're right about the point, though, the Knicks being a good quality road team. They have been all year. One of the better road records in the NBA. Miami would be interesting. Because you're going to have a lot of Knicks fans there. But that's going to bring out some hostility in the Heat fans. They'll be in it. I will be finalizing this tomorrow. But I'm like 95 to 98% certain I'm going to be there for game four. 98% certain. That'll be uh, finalized tomorrow. Got to talk to my traveling secretary and take it from there. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, let's head to our buddy, Joey. He's up next. Joseph, the floor is yours. Welcome in. Hello, sir. JJ, how's it going? Joe, fantastic. Good to hear your voice. What's up, dude? I, I feel like a couple points from this game. Um, 
the the bench we have to outplay the heat bench moving forward if we're going to win this series i mean they got guys like hey would you blow me high smith out there and our depth is supposed to be what makes this team you know that's how we beat cleveland and we can't have quickly and topping minus seven minus six you know out there against the heat bench when jimmy butler's coming back like we need to have positive positive plus minus from our bench moving forward i totally agree excellent excellent point joseph excellent excellent point now is it possible maybe a guy like bronze can give you that contribution as opposed to maybe somebody like quickly perhaps but yes that to me is something that needs to be said and i'm glad that you brought it to everybody's attention the knicks so-called strength going into this series was hey you're the deeper team. Well, so far, Miami has been the deeper team, and Miami has been able to get more answers out of guys off their bench. Duncan Robinson gives you nine points. Lowry had a fantastic game one and still gives you positive minutes in game number two. The Knicks are going to need something out of their bench. There's no question about it. JJ, can we push the ball when we have the bench out there? Like, let's get quickly and top and loose out on the run and guys like Lowry and Duncan Robinson can't keep up. Like we need to change the style when these guys are in to get them a little bit more comfortable because it's too tight and too tentative. And these are guys who need to play a little bit more free, in my opinion. I think that's totally fair. And it brings me back, Joseph, to my childhood in the 1990s when the Knicks fan would always want to see the team with Van Gundy get out and run with Sprewell and with Camby coming off the bench. That would always be this, like, point of emphasis, this, like, hug of war. You know, you got Patrick Ewing in the half-court offense, dumping the ball down to Patrick, watching him do his thing in the low block, and then you'd be tantalized saying, man, we gotta we gotta run, we gotta get this transition offense going with Camby and with Sprewell and with Allen Houston, and then, of course, that's where Simmons had his Ewing theory, and, you know, listen, there were times when Patrick was not at 100%, where the Knicks would look better without Ewing. I know I'm going on a major, major tangent here, but it just speaks to how in these postseason games, even with the NBA changing the way that it has changed, Joe, these games boggle down. They become a lot of half-court offense. It's slower basketball. And speeding the tempo up for the Nick bench, I think would make a world of difference for those guys. I think it's such a great point. Joseph, outstanding phone call. Joseph, bringing the heat today. Love it. A couple of fantastic points. That was always something, though, in the 90s that used to be like this Nick fan tug of war. Because Patrick Ewing was Patrick Ewing, right? Like, he needed his touches. He was not going to get up and down a transition, especially at the end of his career. God, no. But when you had Sprewell out there, you had Camby out there, it's like, you got to get out and run. Got to get out and run. Let's head to our main man, Mark, in, in Kings Park. He joins us next. Mark, the floor is yours. Welcome in. Hey, you know, got to tell you, man, it's been on my bucket list for a long time to go to a Knicks playoff game. And tonight, it's the final of the night. Check it off my bucket list. Wow. So you were in the building tonight. Fantastic. Fantastic. Bro, like, what a absolute freaking blast. I mean, is it fair to say, Mark, is it fair to say, is, considering that this was your first Nick playoff game, did the hype live up to your expectation? 
Uh, especially in the second half, yes. Uh, but overall, the introductions, the national anthem, super cool. I mean, it's like a little thing, but I always notice the little things is the red, white, and blue like on the seats during the national anthem. It just sets the tone. It just sets the, the big game feel and the atmosphere. It was freaking awesome, bro. I mean, it was, I mean, it was, I mean, going to a versus Nick game or a St. John's game at the garden, it's like one thing, but a Nick playoff game, man, like, I mean, very few venues. I mean, and I'm talking about like Subway Series Mets Yankees. I'm talking about like big Giants games, big hockey games. Very few venues that I've experienced as a sports fan. Hell, like, can even touch what I, what the atmosphere was like tonight. The, the, you know, the garden being as loud as it was, man. Like, I mean, I could barely hear the guy next to me. Um, it was freaking awesome, bro. No, it's bananas. It's, it's electric. That's what it boils down to. It's one of the few arenas in town. And forget about in town. It's one of the few arenas in sport that has that sort of vibe. And you think about the ambiances and the environments in New York sports, for that matter. The new Yankee Stadium is nowhere close to what the old Yankee Stadium used to be. City Field can get loud. City Field does not get as loud and does not have that same crazy vibe that old Shea Stadium once had. Giant Stadium, MetLife Stadium, same sort of deal. The Garden, for whatever the reason, Mark, it still has that sort of presence to it. It, it. it really does. And, you know, you got the celebrities in the front row, but then you got the people, the rich, the, the peasants, and somewhere in the middle, rocking and rolling and bringing that house down. But I can only imagine that had to be a very tense garden when a heater up by six with like seven and change left. That I'm sure it wasn't hooting and hollering and rocking at that point. I'm sure it was a lot of pins and needles, Nick fans. I know I felt that way. Yeah, like they put up the uh, like the karaoke with like six minutes to go, with fans singing a karaoke or something. Six minutes to go, I'm like, are you kidding? Like, who the hell wants to see this? I mean, I'm like, no, you're not in the mood for that shit. No, no. I mean, they did it the other day when I was at the game. They're playing "Living on a Prayer." I'm like, hey, guess what? I don't want to sing "Living on a Prayer." We're getting our ass whooped. Yeah, exactly. Like, please stop. Um, and like, I gotta say though, man, that um, RJ was absolutely killing it uh, in the first quarter, and I think like halfway through the second quarter. And then it just seems like he was lacking some aggression. And um, perhaps they were talking about it on the broadcast. I absolutely don't know. That's why I'm asking you. But did they take him out because he was uh, either A, losing his aggression offensively, or B, because he wasn't playing defense? Because Tibbs is obviously a defensive first kind of guy. Like, was that the reason why? Because, like, I mean, he, I mean, I barely saw him on a court in the second half. Like, why would. No, he barely played. And listen, I know this, and I know this well, Mark, because I had the Barrett to score 20. Nick's parlay that we gave on FanDuel Sportsbook today. So I was heavily invested. And I'm like, geez, good thing RJ got all those points early because he did not have a whole lot of burn in the second half of this game. I did not hear Thibodeau. So I don't know the post-game comments. I don't know if it was asked. I would say it was matchup-based. And I thought Barrett, who was knocking down a ton of threes early, kind of got lost in translation in the second half of the game. Now, I would have put him back in the final couple of minutes. Good thing the Knicks didn't take out Josh Hart. Josh Hart hit a couple of the biggest shots of the game. The two biggest plays in this game, the four-point play, which we can all acknowledge was for Gazy, but you take it. And then up one, inside of two minutes to play, Hart, swish, banging the three. Our pal, Dougie, Long Island, joins us. Welcome in. Doug, the floor is yours. Hello, sir. Hey, Johnny boy. Uh, I'm in a better mood tonight. 
Well, you and me both. I don't have to, you know, listen, I don't have to deal with Aaron Boone mismanaging my bullpen like an absolute buffoon. So, I mean, there's that, you know? I mean, listen, you know, we're going to beat this game up. You know, people are killing Tibbs. Spolstra can react to the Knicks. When he goes zone, you know, people are killing Tibbs. They want adjustments. What do they want Tibbs to do when he doesn't have any fucking shooters? You have no fucking shooters on this team. And I'll tell you, the worst sign for the Knicks is they get 14 for 28 from three point from their big three, and they barely win a game without Jimmy Butler. That's a bad sign. But the one thing, Johnny, I got to bring up, am I crazy to think Deuce should be getting IQ's minutes? IQ clearly is a confidence problem right now. I know if Deuce is out there, Deuce is going to fucking kill it on a defensive end. Well, he's going to get after it on defense. He's going to get after it on defense. We know he's a liability at this stage offensively. I don't think that's crazy. And I got that text, Doug, from a couple of Nick fans in my life as we're, you know, watching this game and we're going back and forth and whatnot. And I didn't think it was a crazy thought. And I said, quickly, he's got to get going here. He hit a couple of the floaters and I'm like, okay, maybe, just maybe this will get him going. And then you see quickly bricking three after three after three. See, that's the issue, Doug. He needs to hit the outside shot. That's that's the strength of his game. He feeds off of that, and he can't buy a three. And you mentioned the lack of shooting on this team. It would really be nice if Emmanuel quickly could go and hit a couple of threes. But listen, I, I would play him in game three. And if you don't see the minutes in a productive way, then you know what? He maybe isn't getting minutes in the fourth quarter. And maybe I'm trying something different. It's not crazy. Yeah, going forward, I, I feel really good about the Knicks because I, I saw tonight that Randall's fine. Randall's ankle's better, in my opinion, and I feel good about Brunson. I, I saw what happened to Butler. I mean, but I, there's no guarantee Butler's coming back and he's going to be 100%. And the other thing is, you know, somebody mentioned it earlier. This Nick team, they play good on the road, and they're going to have a lot of fans down in Miami. So I, I, I'm very confident going forward with this team. And, you know, JJ, I, I'll tell you, the only, the other thing, when the Knicks are on offense, they got six foot Kyle Lowry, 37 years old, six foot two Vincent. They got fucking Zeller and Duncan Robinson, and the bench can't score against them. That's a bad sign for our bench. And our bench has been good all year. Very bad sign. Very bad sign. But, Doug, that's why, to one of our previous callers' points, getting these guys out in transition, easier said than done. Because it means they aren't hitting shots. You know, it means they're missing shots and you could take advantage of that. But I think that would go a long way maybe in getting some of these guys going, especially a guy like Toppin. Toppin is a guy who's got to play in the open floor. Toppin is going to struggle if he's playing half-court offense. He's not a half-court offense kind of player. His limitations are a lot more on display when you see him in the half-court. Yeah, and, and JJ, you know, you know, I never was an Aaron Rodgers guy. I'm not his biggest fan, but now he's a Jet. And seeing him with Sauce Gardner tonight, he's doing the whole New York thing. You know, it, it's it's a good feeling as a Jet fan to see him embracing this. I was told he would never come to these camp games, to these camp practices. He's here. You know, I saw him today. You know, he was on with McAfee. You know, he's like a kid in a candy store. And and I'm telling you, going forward with my Jets, man, it's a really good feeling because the, the guy, the guy looks like he, you know, he's got a, a second wind and he wants to show a lot of people that, you know what, he's he's still one of the GOATs. And as a Jet fan, 
that's a good feeling. I hate to go football here, but he was no Dougie. Listen, it, be, it beats. Doesn't it beat the alternative of having to watch Zach Wilson play quarterback? I mean, come on, man. Come on. That's what I'm saying, dude. You got what? Listen, you. I appreciate it, Doug. Always great hearing your voice. Listen, no brainer. He's got Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to be MVP Aaron Rodgers? We'll find out. Tell you this. Beat Zach Wilson. Amen to that if you're a Jeff fan. Thank God I don't have to watch Zach Wilson play the position. Let's take a couple more and then we'll say goodbye. Uh, Elmhurst, our buddy Charlie is up next. Charlie, welcome. Hey, JJ. So 93-87 when the Knicks are trailing uh, seven minutes ago, it was it was just uh, stone cold. It was like clog, panic uh, city. But I, I, you know, laid the Knicks plus 142, buy bet the money line and cash that in. And that a boy. Wow, Charlie, dug in on the live line. Proud of you. Good beat. Well done. Yes, yes. I couldn't lay minus 10 or minus six and a half. I mean, couldn't do it. But about this game, certainly that the Heat are battle tested. This team just won't die, even without Butler. Now, in terms of the Knicks side, you could see, you you saw how the, the offense, the Knicks in the half court, made a difference with Julius Randle. Like, even he can draw double team, and he gets draw double team. He passed it off right across the right across the court. Hit Barrett, got a three, or he makes playmaking. When he gets going one on one, he goes down low, get your butt down low, and you know spins and go attacks the interior. Love to see that for Randall, and then of course Barrett first half uh, contributed as well. Then I think Brunson he was kind of feeling the first half. Then he took. You know, we woke up in the second half and kind of closed. Oh, he took the game over. Charlie, he took the game over. When the Knicks needed big plays in the fourth quarter, Jalen Brunson was there. He was there with shot after shot after shot. Played aggressive, played with passion, made big plays, found his teammates. Listen, that's why he's the best player on this team. Um, the Knicks got a lot to clean up, though. Listen, this game was way too close for comfort. This is against a Miami team without Jimmy Butler. And you're sweating it out over the final two minutes of this game. A lot needs to change for the New York Knickerbockers. The Knicks got to get after it on the defensive end. The Knicks need to solve a couple of the riddles that Miami has thrown their way. Uh, it has seven game series written all over it, Amigo. Oh, absolutely. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a slog battle war uh, for for the series. And you'll find you find out. And like they gotta they gotta figure out to like stop stop these cats from like shooting bunch of threes, open threes, man. You gotta stop. Stopping. You got to find out what's stopping. That's why this. Well, listen, they're getting good looks, though. That, that's the one thing I'm going to say here. Miami knows how to move the basketball. They're a well coached team. This is a team that's been in the conference finals and, and they have a lot of interchangeable parts. It's annoying. Like you see Vincent or you see Lowry or you see Martin and you're like, Struce, where in God's name are they getting these guys? Half of these guys, you don't even know who the hell they are when they come to the Miami Heat. And they're banging three after three after three. So, listen, they have built the culture. I know a lot of people, Charlie, get sick and tired of hearing about it. Heat culture, heat culture. It's annoying. Like, I admit it's kind of annoying. But there is something to it. And, again, the Knicks, in a game they had to have, no Jimmy Butler, you're sweating out the final seven minutes of this game. You're sweating out the final two minutes of this game. If it wasn't for Hart draining the three, 
finally coming through in a big situation there. And the two uh, Hart Foundation uh, just come through again. Like Josh Hart, you know, he's all over the place. And Harnstein, uh, second chance opportunity. The Knicks found something that fourth quarter that that kind of sold the riddle of that zone defense on the Heat. And Harnstein gave you second chance opportunity, tip, offensive rebounds. And like uh, th- th- those are effort plays, and the Knicks. Uh, finally, like in the effort wise, and if they saw something in the fourth quarter, and right now I'm watching the Lakers and the Warriors right now, I got the Lakers all over right now. So, well, let's go. Listen, you know, I'm on the Lakers. You know, I played the Lakers to win the series. You know, I'm on the Lakers here in game number one. Uh, I don't want to mush it as we're at the end of the third quarter right about now, but that is significant to some. Now, there are a couple of folks today who did not get the uh, right side of the Knicks at six and a half. That's a cool beat. Now, they weren't covering for most of the game, but, I mean, they couldn't hit a free throw. Randall on the end line. That was rough. I think our next guest would fit that description. Our buddy, the great Jeff Money, closes it out. Money, hello. How are you, sir? Cover there with the next year. You know, I had him at six and a half. You know, great line, considering when it went up to ten because of the uh, when, uh, when uh, Jimmy wasn't playing. But uh, they had their chance to cover there. It went all the way down to the end. And if Hart would have made uh, both free throws at the end there, they would have held on probably and barely covered. But, you know, that's the way it goes with the Nick Emery. Listen, they missed a lot of free throws. They missed a lot of free throws down the stretch. Uh, If you're a Nick fan, you're glad you won the game. 1,000%. And Jeff Money is sweating that game out outright. Uh, You know, I gave out the boost that we put up on FanDuel, which was Barrett 20 and the Knicks to win. Uh, And the Knicks were down 93-87 to after Caleb Martin hit that three with seven minutes to play in this game. Think about that for a minute. Down six, seven minutes to play in a game they had to have as a 10-point favorite. So it was tense moments at Madison Square Garden. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, at one point, I just had to turn the channel and they started to blow it a little bit with the lead. So let me turn a little bit and then turn it back and then turn it back. And I see then they are uh, cut it to three. Then they tied it up. They're up by three. But like I said, they, were never, they never were covering the game till like the last uh, couple of minutes where they had a shot that, you know, that's the way it goes with that. I know we're against each other in the uh, in the Laker game. I like the Lakers to win the series, but I, I felt that the uh, Warriors were going to cover the four and a half. But the way it's going right now, they might just wind up losing the, the game in general. Well, I hope I hope that ends up being the case. Uh, sign me up for that right on the dotted line as someone who has the Lakers on the money line and has the Lakers plus the four and a half. Uh, money, will you be playing Philly in Boston tomorrow? Looking... I'm looking at taking the sell. I know the line went up to 10 for double-digit points, but, I mean, I think out of two, you, you got to go with the Celtics, right? Uh, I will be on Boston tomorrow. I think it's a good spot for the Celtics. I, I think they will be far sharper and far crisper than they were in the first game of this series. I can't imagine that Harden is going to go and do that again. Uh, my gut is Embiid is not playing because this betting line basically tells you why is Joel Embiid going to be playing if it's a 10-point spread? I mean, if Embiid was playing, this spread would be around five and a half, six. Uh, the MVP is worth at least four or five points when it comes to the betting market. So, yeah, I think you get a comfortable win for the Celtics. It's a lot of points, though. And, and it means that the Celtics can't mess around with this game. But, yeah, that's the that's the way I'm playing it, Jeff Money. That's the side I'm on. Actually, with Embiid, uh, probably not going to play, especially when they... They 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 stole game once. You figure they'll probably rest him for Philly, if anything. I don't know how bad his injury is, but yeah, they'll probably sit him and uh, and hopefully the Celtics can uh, wake up and uh, blow him out. It'd be nice. That's the idea, Jeff. Money. So it looks like a family play for us. 
We'll be on the Boston Celtics tomorrow. And this one's for our buddy Eagle Eye Picks. We're on the Dev. Series prize for the Dev. We're on the Dev tomorrow. We're on the Dev for the series. I might even sprinkle in a little Dev Stanley Cup. I might. We'll see. We'll see. I got one more for you. I misspoke. It happens. I'm sure a very fired up and a very relieved Hector in Washington Heights. He joins us next. Hector, hello, baby. JJ, how you doing, brother? Hector, relieved. Very, very relieved. How are you, sir? Yeah, JJ, I'm good. And I was going to say, I'll be honest, I wasn't able to watch the entire game. I watched the beginning, first quarter, pretty much. Um, and I saw maybe the last minute. Um, but my mind, from what I saw and looking at the box score and, and all that, and I'm coming to you really to ask you, JJ, how can I feel really confident that the that the Knicks can actually win this series? Um, because I, I, I just don't see it. Like it looks like today was too much of a hard hard fought game for a team that's missing its best player. Um, and I think they were still without Hero, right? And, and yeah, Hero's done for the postseason. Hero's done for the postseason. Yeah, I Hector. There's definitely some apprehension. How could there not be? Miami is a battle-tested team. I think everybody knew this series was not going to be easy, but you saw their role players without Butler almost going to Madison Square Garden on a night when Julius Randle gave you 25, Jalen Brunson gave you 30, RJ Barrett gave you 24, and yet Miami was down one inside of two minutes to play. Just like think about that for a minute. That is what the Heat bring to the table. And we'll see about Butler. We'll see what kind of shape he's in come Saturday. He's going to play. We all know he's going to play. But yeah, dude, this is not going to be an easy series for the Knicks. Newsflash, not going to be easy. No, for sure, JJ. I heard our buddy Doug say he doesn't expect Butler to come back and give him much. But I don't know, man. I saw him at the end there. He was pointing towards the crowd. And he looked like he's ready. He's going to come back. And he's going to, you know, have a say in this series still. So I do worry about him. And I also, like I said, I'm looking at the box score. And can I really count on Jalen Brunson to hit six threes or even RJ to make five threes, I think it was? Um, do I really want RJ shooting, shooting five threes? I mean, and listen, JJ, that, this, I came into this series worried mostly about the coach. And can Tom Thibodeau outcoach Spolstra? And I know people are going to say, you know, the Knicks are doing the right thing. They're either giving them the open shot, the open three. And you got to take it. But I also feel like they, they, you got to find other ways to be able to score. And I heard you guys talking about earlier, you know, getting the second unit out on, on the break a little bit more, getting them to, to run, to get easier baskets and stuff like that. Um, but even in the half-court game, it's, you know, can Tibbs find a way that instead of just settling for that open three that the Miami Heat want you to take, right? Because it's not like you're really working for this three. They, they're inviting you to take this three. They're saying, go ahead and make it. And today we made some. And that's good. But can I really expect that from the Knicks? Can Tibbs do something else to get some easy baskets that are not just the open three that they're giving us? Well, that's the ultimate riddle that we're going to have to solve here, Hector. Appreciate it. That's going to be the question, right? Knicks get easy buckets. Outside of three-point shots. Easier said than done. They had a lot of threes today. Barrett was red hot in the first half. Jalen Brunson was red hot in the second half. Many of them were open shots. But when they're not falling, how do you adjust? Heat are going to let the Knicks shoot like crazy all series. 
And a guy who's bailed them out a lot when they've played Miami heads up is the guy who had 25 tonight. And that's why his return, do not sleep on it. The Knicks need Julius Randle. They have no chance of winning this series without him. That's how important he is, especially for the offense he can provide. It's glaring, especially in that half court. Want to say this quickly because we roasted them all day yesterday. Thank heavens the Yankees won a game. They bailed Cole out. Cole was not his best. Didn't have great command. Six innings at two runs. Still very good. Still good enough to win. Nice to see a little life from the offense. Volpe with the homer. He's been pretty good over the last couple weeks. They need a lot more. Rizzo, Torres, Calhoun with the homer. But bad news. It looks like Rodon, nowhere close. Trevino out for the year. And the Yankees, a lot of tough games coming up. That's going to be a major topic of conversation on Thursday. Thursday's pod, we will have game three preview for the Knickerbockers and the Miami Heat. We'll also set the stage for what's coming up this weekend. We will have a Yankees-Rays series. We will also have a look at Justin Verlander in a Met uniform for the first time. What a concept. And no, I'm not counting spring training games. I'm talking about a regular season game. Mets should absolutely beat the crap out of the Tigers. So that's what we have on deck. Big show on Thursday. Get the voicemails in. Get ready for game three at 917-382-1151. I hope everybody enjoys their Wednesday. We'll reset. We will chat. Reconvene on Thursday. JJ out. Be good, everybody.